89.1 RTC. Good morning, Turks and Caicos. Welcome to First Edition. I am in a very comfortable place this morning. I am going to speak to um, the Minister of Health and Human Services. Actually, he's going to be that now for less than 50 minutes. So, Honorable Minister, welcome to First Edition. Thank you so much for joining us. We know you have a busy morning, but thank you for, for coming in. Uh, thank you, Cheryl, and good morning, Turks and Caicos. It's good to be on first edition for the first time. <laughs> it's unfortunate that Chivago is out. I'm not feeling well. So, Chivago, if you're out there listening, which I know you are, <laughs> just uh, recover quickly and get better soon. Thank you so much for that, Honorable Robinson. Um, now, the studio's already cramped, so let's get rid mm. of that elephant that's in here. Oh, yeah. What uh, we saw an announcement over the weekend about uh, cabinet shuffle. What does that mean generally, and what does it mean for you? Okay, Cheryl, the, the, the nuts and bolts of it is, right, that all of us as cabinet ministers, we all serve at the pleasure of the premier. So it is his decision solely. And why is that? It's simply because the Progressive National Party would have had leadership elections some time ago. Honorable Charles Washington Mizek would have been elected the leader of the PNP. We would have gone to the general public in the last election for Honorable Mizek to be the premier. Right. So all of us agreed that it would be under his guidance and his mandate that we would govern the country. So once the elections were over and we won, then we elected him. Then he became premier. So it was his job and his sole duty to select the members of parliament that he would want to form his cabinet. Okay. So as it was then, it is now. That is mm -hmm. it's his decision solely. So so long and short of it, we all literally serve at his pleasure. How do you intend to approach your new ministry? Well, when it comes to my new ministry, the first thing um, I'm going to do is, um, I guess, an overall assessment, because I know Honorable um, AK would have done a lot of work in terms of policy. So we would have already um, completed the physical development plan um, framework mm -hmm. that was ongoing. So she would have accomplished that. We are basically like 90% complete when it comes to the housing policy, which is very important. Um, also, we're looking at the transportation network. Um, you would have seen guys on the road surveying from time to time in the recent past. Mm -hmm. um, so things like that, even Housing in general terms of illegal housing, um, those are things that the regular migrant um, committee and stuff would be reviewing. So, so from a policy standpoint, the the stage is set for me to move from the policy standpoint to go into implementation of these policies. So, it's that's going to be my focus on implementation now. So, I've I'm picking up the the baton in a like you said under 50 minutes or so, um, and then. We'll continue to continue to push and deliver on on everything that we promised in the um, campaign. Mm -hmm. How does a minister feel leaving one office for another? Are you going to miss health? Or do you think you've done all that you needed to do in health, and it's now time to move on? Well, given the circumstances and and, and the abruptness of the change, um, there were things that I wanted to see see through. Um, to the end, but I'm sure um, Honorable Malcolm, um, who's coming on in a little bit, um, will continue those things. So see into the end a resolution for the the waste uh, management system here in Providentia. This was one of the things. But 
left in place is the, the tenders going out for the short-term solution as well as we are continuing with the CDB project. So all things being considered, we will have that resolve in our term. So even though it wouldn't be me as the minister cutting the final ribbon or mm -hmm. doing the official groundbreaking for bringing in the whichever company that is successful on that overall bid, um, as long as it happens under our term and our tenure, I, I will be fine with that. So it's it's so it's, it, it it will be some bitterness in that in terms of um, leaving because you know you would want to complete the things you would have set out to to at the beginning. So I am going to miss the the staff, but I'm also um, excited to continue the work that Honorable AK would have started with the team of um, PPID. Thanks. Um, if you're just joining us, you're listening to First Edition, and we have the Honorable Minister of Health and Human Services, Honorable Jamel Robinson, here with us. Honorable Robinson, on November 1st, during um, our program of Financially Speaking, the host had the leader of the opposition on. And the leader of the opposition said that, you know, he would follow the science rather than anything else, and that um, there was some discrepancy between allowing vaccinated passengers in and those people who had had COVID uh, with what he said would have had real natural and more antibodies. He would have allowed those people to enter. Would you clear that up for us? Well, unfortunately, and I, I will take it easy on um, <laughs> Honorable Ashford because he is my god brother and my, my mother doesn't like to see her child and her <laughs> godson go toe-to-toe -to -toe too heavy, oh so I'm going to take it easy. But the, the long and short of it, we are following the science. While you can outright enter the country as a 18 and over adult with, with proof of vaccination, you could always apply for medical exemption, which I'm sure the leader of opposition is aware of or should be aware of, once you would have had COVID within the last six months um, of time, then you can apply for medical exemption because the science would say you would have those antibodies mm -hmm. antibodies in your system. Mm -hmm. So you would have the outright okay vaccine proof, and then you would have on the other side, you would apply. So once you can prove you would have had um, the, the virus and recovered from it within the last six months. So that, those are the options. And so we are... We are, and we have followed the science. And just for the record, um, the current regulations as it um, relates to the vaccine mandate, they end December 31st, um, 2022. So 9 out of 10, all things considered, they will fall away. Um, because I know that's a question that a lot of persons yeah. keep on asking, when are we going to get rid of it? Because I, I know they s see other countries... Mm -hmm. um, dropping the vaccine mandates and the restrictions. But by and large, we have gotten rid of a lot of the regulations, including the testing, the portal, and other like limitations on crowding and stuff. So we've come a long way. So this would be the last main um, mode of protection, and then it will fall directly on personal responsibility of persons. So we just have to be mindful that Turks and Caicos has a unique situation. We've been unique from the beginning of this um, pandemic into now. So even though COVID isn't officially over, um, we are in a place where we can manage it. So yeah. unless something, again, significant happens, um, I think at the end of the year, 
those restrictions will fall away. Mm. I'm going to switch topics a little bit. Now, we know you're a man of many talents. We didn't know modeling was one of them. <laughs> Tell us about your recent, um, you know, catwalk at the Red Cross event. Well, funny enough, um, my daughter actually signed up for it first. And then because um, my wife was away, they recruited me to be a part of it as well. So I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll do it to, to be with her um, and, and do the modeling. And, of course, it's a great um, cause with the, the Red Cross, and they are celebrating their 55th year of existence and, and was doing that fundraising. So it was a, a, a great event, I think, they raised and hit their target amount of funding. Um, it just was a lot of fun. I think everybody had fun, all the models. I, I think persons found new respect for the modeling uh, industry in terms <laughs> of the, the, the movement and the getting ready and just having to be kind of on point. It was well-structured, well-organized. Um, not only myself was um, a part of the, the modeling, but you had the DG and her daughter as well as Honorable um, Josephine Conley was also a model. So you had good support from a government standpoint. Is it something you'd do again? Um, definitely. Um, I should be in the <laughs> Frederick Braffrate category next time. That's the big, tall dude with the muscles um, for for persons who are wondering <laughs> who that was. Because I, I, I saw somebody uh, yesterday and they said they were kind of gawking over Frederick, right? And I was like, yeah, that's class eight, you know. But, yeah, okay, next time. So I'll, I'll level up my category. So invite <laughs> it next time. But it's def definitely good fun and something I will participate in once they have another fashion show as a part of their fundraising efforts. Great. We enjoyed seeing you in Maya. We enjoyed seeing all the yeah. uh, models who um, represent us and serve our people. So thank you for that. Um, let's talk a little bit. We, we understand you have another accolade that you and... Um, uh, Mrs. Robinson, are now patrons of the Turks and Caicos AIDS Awareness Foundation. Yes, that was something that was very recent and was very unexpected, actually, because when we got the call from Anansa to tell us that the they, Turks and Caicos AIDS Awareness Foundation wanted us to be patrons, like we were um, taken aback and, you know, honored that they would choose us for the work we've done in the community might not be directly related to AIDS advocacy um, or AIDS and HIV awareness advocacy, but generally speaking. So I think that's something that we will um, push. And, of course, um, being soon to be the former Minister of Health, that's one of the areas that would have been my direct responsibility over the last um, year or so. So that's something we will continue to push and try to increase the fundraising. So persons can go on the Turks and Caicos AIDS Awareness Foundation um, site. We're on IG as well as on Facebook, so they can get tickets for the cocktail on the 1st of December. It's $75 per person. It's for a great cause, so I believe it's at Seven Stars. Yeah, Seven mm -hmm. Stars is the location. So if you haven't got tickets as yet, you can always reach out to Anansa and the team. Um, I'll try to get pull up the the actual number and email addresses that you can call as well um, before the end of the show so you can um, participate, support another great um, foundation. And the, the one thing that I appreciate about the Turks and Caicos is we have a lot of great NGOs and civic society organizations here, and that is a plus to the community as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, Honorable Robinson, um, let's look back a little bit. What would you say were some of your brightest moments as Minister of Health and with hindsight, what is one thing you would have done differently? Well, 
What the one of the, the brightest moments, right, was one of what one could say was also one of my, my, my darkest moments <laughs> when I took over the Ministry of Health early August, we were in the middle of a, another spike. Um, I think it was the Delta variant at that particular time. Um, we were pushing, you know, continued pushing the vaccine, but we were having significant um, um, a spike in numbers, hospitalizations, increase in persons um, losing their, their lives as well. And that would have been the time we would have introduced the, the vaccine mandate for persons coming in. Right. Mm-hmm. right? So that was a shock because we would have had a record-breaking summer in terms of tourism arrivals and for an industry and for people which is our number one um, industry for persons who would have had six months to a year of a lull because of the effects of COVID-19 in general it was hard for them to see at that moment that this was the right decision right because it was almost like yo we need to. We're trying to catch up and recover what we've already lost, the opportunity we've already lost. Like let's roll the dice. But on the flip side, um, the gamble was also the gamble was also if we allow it to ride and this continued, our reputation could be lost, and persons could say, okay, well, there's too much COVID on the loose down in Turks and Caicos and they end up still not coming so it was a tough decision and of course as persons could remember Chamber of Commerce at the time would have said that you know we are projecting to lose 96 million dollars of revenue during um, the three months going up to December of that year Um, and none of that happened like we kept rolling the comparatives from the 2019 um, season we beat all those markets in terms of the September, October, November numbers of arrivals, we were doing better, and then we just kind of kept going. So I believe from a budget standpoint and a statistics standpoint, that that window inclusive of the, the summer, record-breaking summer, was the most successful year that we've had as the economy, and that was all because of um, good leadership and guidance during that time. So we made the right decisions as a cabinet, and I was the one who had to go quote-unquote face the music uh, and communicate appropriately to the population, right? Mm-hmm. So that was one of the highlights. Now, if if there was anything I would do differently, funny enough, I probably would have pushed for getting the, the interim solution in terms of the tender coming out for the providentialism um, waste management site mm-hmm. sooner because unfortunately the processes with government and CDB, so it was like a double whammy, yeah. took a lot longer than we we would have hoped because even though we would have set up the solid waste management task force, CDB solid waste management task force over a year ago, like we're now getting to the place where the work is about to begin. Right, so almost like, but the the upside, I guess, the silver lining there is, we were able to get in a new director since then who would have modified some of the the requirements. So the interim solution will be even better if then then we push forward. But that's something I would have liked to see um, happen sooner, right? Because even because we ha- we experienced the the big incident with the fire with all the tires being burnt mm-hmm. um, from a 
accident kind of thing. So so those are the types of things that you regret. Maybe if you did something sooner or differently, those events may not have happened, but um, you live and you learn. So it's, a, it's about finding that right balance of when to push and when to just allow things to naturally happen. Mm-hmm. I think, too, we'd like to highlight, um, we thought the mobile clinics, particularly during COVID, they, they were helpful and, oh, yeah, and appreciated. And then, too, um, what are your feelings on the recent um, initiative or venture by the Sandals Foundation with the free dental clinics? Would you like to see more corporate entities doing that sort of thing? How, how did you receive that? Well, I had the opportunity to visit several days um, of the the site, which was at the Jericho Baptist um, Church in um, the Bight. That's where the main location was, but in partnership with the dental department, they were able to go throughout the um, TCI doing giving a, giving um, free dental care. Like that is, again, like I said before, we have like the NGOs and our corporate mm-hmm. citizens, we, we, we have some great ones that are really contributing. That was mm-hmm. ideal, and this is something that I will now have to um, relate to <laughs> Honorable <laughs> Malcolm, but I think um, in terms of how long it ended up taking to get all the pieces in place for the, the free entry of uh, equipment and all those types of things. I think we need to lock those types of initiatives in for at least three to five years so we don't have to revisit it every time because if someone's going to be bringing doctors in and dentists in to help you and help the people with services that while they are readily available isn't always affordable to 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 everybody um, we have to maximize that so for them the diabetes associations who bring um, persons in as well on a yearly basis or even a, a every four months or every every six months mm-hmm. like we need to just lock those types of things and so it makes it easier to have them access while we build our own resources because again volunteerism is something that is important to me and that's important to any growing society yeah Listeners, viewers, uh, we're talking to the Honorable Jamal Robinson, Minister of Health and Human Services, for just a little while longer. Uh, Minister, let's stick with uh, the corporate entities. We know that you attended, and, and you're a sports enthusiast, you attended um, some of the activities in the recent Police Action League, PAL. Um, from a, from a, a father perspective, from a, a ministerial perspective, just as a as a community person, what were your views on on that initiative? My view on that initiative it was excellent. It ran for, I believe, six weeks to two months, give or take, mm-hmm. um, every weekend, and it had an opportunity to bring um, children together from across Providenciales to be able to participate in that police action league. Now, I know persons would have recently seen videos of children um, engaging in fighting, stabbing, all of that on the outside of the compound. The Action League, which was inside of the compound in Gus Lyburn, is actually something that can concretely divert kids Mm -hmm. from that type of behavior. Mm -hmm. Now, we're looking at something that's in its infancy, so that wouldn't have the impact on the older kids immediately right now but kids coming up, once we continue that type of engagement in the sporting world and discipline, that has the impact to make sure that doesn't happen. Because if you look at those videos, you will see the main 
protagonists, as they call them, who are engaged in the fighting, but you're also seeing a number of bystanders, yeah. right? So we have to ensure that our kids, one, in the initial, don't engage in that type of behavior or events, but also that they can be leaders and try to diffuse that type of situation rather than watch it. And now, while, again, um, it would have gone, it would have escalated where you had a weapon involved from what we could see, right? Fighting isn't something that's new under the sun because I remember being in high school and if a fight happened on compound, you literally have people shouting, fight, 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 <laughs> and everybody coming from all directions trying to view a fight. Mm -hmm. But when you have, when you introduce weaponry into it and the what seems to be easy access of even guns nowadays, it gets more dangerous. So we have to give our children the tools to be able to defuse those types of situations and not engage in them because it could be deadly. Yeah. Because uh, a stab wound in the wrong place on your body, you could lose a life. Yeah. Yeah. And then not only the life of the person who might have been lost and the life of the person who would have committed the, the crime would have been affected, but all the family members around family members and friends would have been negatively impacted by the, those events. So we have to get to a place where we're thinking more medium and long term about the choices we make. Mm -hmm. uh, while you're Minister of Health and Human Services, um, what sort of emotions conjure up in you when you see indigenous Turks and Caicos Islanders um, constructing um, and having infrastructure that indicates they're building? For example, the Dr. Darren Hall and his wife, they just built a lovely complex of family care. What does that mean to you as Minister of Health to see indigenous doctors making this sort of stride? Well, a couple of P's come to mind. Pride, mm -hmm. progress, and prosperity. It was a proud day when I heard about the opening. Now, I, got a, I had an opportunity to actually um, visit the dentist setup because I believe um, I want, it's not small TCI. I, I'm Dr. Jamico's practice. I believe him and Dr. Jamico Harvey and Dr. Darren Hall and Dr. Kendra Hall. I believe they have a partnership. Mm -hmm. So, so now they have two locations downtown as well as there. So I took my kids there to to get their their teeth clean. And trust me, the lines were long for Ooh. all the all of the the things that are available. So you have the dental, you have the primary health care, as well as, I believe, farm, they have a pharmacy set up. So you have all the, the ingredients mm -hmm. um, for, for persons. And like just looking at it for something that's so new to be having that much um, use, it, it makes you prideful because it's like, yo, that's one of us yeah. doing well. Mm -hmm. So progress. We need to progress with health care services in the country. Inter Health Canada and the PPP arrangement with um, Turks and Caicos is the primary secondary care um, facility. Clearly TCIG is still responsible for primary care, but we have networks of clinics and private practices that support um, primary health care. From what I understand of where the where the owners want to take it, I think they want to get into the secondary and tertiary market 
tertiary care market as well. So you very well might have a situation as they expand and grow their business where rather than having to send somebody to Cayman, which is in Health City, which is an excellent facility, you could just send them right across the street. If we don't develop um, that capability right within the the hospitals itself, so that would be a good partnership. So maybe ICU is something that we develop at um, into Health Canada, and maybe other specialties like knee replacements, hip replacements, mm-hmm. might be something that we do at um, Dr. Darren Hall's and Dr. Kendra Hall's um, facility in the future. Who right. knows? Mm-hmm. And it'd be cost effective because we want to bring down the cost of healthcare overall while in bringing up the um, um, bring up the quality. So, and of course, prosperity, because like I say, place was packed. Um, um, Dr. Kendra was 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 <laughs> um, teasing me a little bit by saying that you see, all these people there because they have to be vaccinated, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Which was a part of the uh, migrant health mm-hmm. um, initiative, which I'm, I'm very proud of. That we are actually moving to should be by the end of the month. So I wouldn't cut that online ribbon, but <laughs> we're moving to. Uh, online application processes. So that's a, a little taste of what e-governance would be. So rather than people actually getting the queue coming in mm-hmm. or having uh, medical facilities or agencies come in, you can do your stuff individually and take off where the information will be coming from. So so there's, there's this progress in prosperity. So the, the prosperity for them is there's a lot of people because we're ensuring that people follow the law mm-hmm. now because persons would have known about the the failures in the system within Marginal, which causes have to shut down. It took some time getting back up, but it's working better now than before, and we're ensuring that persons are safe on entry and coming to the country because what we don't want is significant non- or vaccine-preventable diseases being brought into the to the mm-hmm. country. We want to delve a little bit into your political career now. Um, okay. Tell us, I have a two-part question. Yes. Tell us about the reception at the Salkey Town Hall meeting. And um, as an all-island candidate, besides the town hall meetings, we know that you've visited various events throughout the Turks and Caicos. What were three or five of the top concerns you heard from these residents as you travel? But tell us first about the reception of the, of the Salkey Town Hall meeting. How, how was that? Um, how, how did you view that? The Salkey Town Hall meeting, um, we received um, a great reception, actually. Um, and that might be the best reception we receive across the country. And, that, and it wouldn't be because we aren't working, by the way, for persons um, who might be carrying news <laughs> out of school. <laughs> not that we're not working. It's just we, we have to level up on our communications to ensure people um, know what we're doing. But the reception was well. All ministers presented on on what we've done and what we're about to do um, for Salky. So, like us getting the fencing done um, for the dump, and and I'm talking (laughs) health-related stuff, of course, fencing done, making sure that we improve the ability for dental um, services down there. Apparently, there's, like, literally a trench Mm -hmm. or or something that has to be dug so the, the chair could be set up. So now that I'm moving to PPID, some of those things I can make sure happens uh, in quick order once once I, I get settled in. But overall, I think the reception was good. They would have stated to us, you know, they appreciated the works program that was continuing on. 
um, to keep the island relatively clean. Um, the main issue that they would have highlighted that I believe the Deputy Premier and Minister of Finance would look into is the flights mm -hmm. and flight availability, right? Because right now the schedule is Monday two flights, I believe, morning, afternoon, and Wednesday one flight. But what they want is a Friday flight, two flights, and then I believe a Monday one flight. So just kind of shift it because persons are not likely going to come in through the week because you got to remember that you're trying to catch people who might be coming from either other, from from other islands, either Grand Turk or Providentials, who might be flying in and want to visit Solki for mm -hmm. that the weekend, right? Versus uh, by uh, through the week. So um, one of the proposed um, suggestions, which was from Alan Dixon, Alan Dickinson, aka Shine, was that okay, if course is a factor, we know that during the summer months the seas are calm. Mm -hmm. So the Salky Ferry can get you in and out of Grand Turk relatively easy. We need, we know during the winter months, it's the seas are more choppy and it's mm -hmm. uncertain. So focus the funding for the flights during the times that the seas are rough mm -hmm. and focus the money on the ferry and the times the seas are calm. So if we can get a... a combination of that going for Salky will allow them to have a better tourism season, right? Mm -hmm. um, as well as they will have access to everything they need. And, and flights scheduling um, changing in terms of having seasons when, when you have flights isn't anything new. So if you think about now, I think a lot of, maybe like Southwest isn't flying in American might have scaled back some of their um, flights and JetBlue, et cetera, et cetera. So this is something that we know is seasonal, right? So we could do that, and I think that'll solve the issue. So there, there are things that they brought up that we understand what the issues are that we can deliver on. So um, the deputy premier will have to speak with the airlines because it's subsidized and we can figure out trying to get them better schedules because at the end of the day we don't want to have a flight into Salky just to say we have flights into Salky. It must um, it must improve um, the lives of the people who mm -hmm. live in Salky and reside there. It be there. financially viable. Exactly. Yeah. And, and Minister, as, as um, an all-island candidate, and, and I said earlier, we know that you go to various events throughout the islands. Um, how important is it as an all-island candidate to really see what's going on in all islands? Well, it's, it's, it's 100% um, important to, to do that because... While again, and, and I'm the, right now minutes away from being a different minister, so while the outgoing uh, minister of health, sometimes you get so bogged down in the the big issues, which are national. Yeah. But they might not be island specific, mm -hmm. so they it might not draw you to particular locations to see what's going on. Um, so while you might have a portfolio, you also have to be mindful of things that are happening across so literally you just have to keep your feet on the ground and have your contacts to feed information into you so whether or not it's with your direct portfolio you need to be a conduit, uh, a conduit and I would need to be a conduit so I could send that information on to the relevant minister 
to execute because at the end of the day people want to see you people want to feel you people want to know you listen and now you might not be able to deliver on 100 percent of the things but at least a conversation um it would help we just had a question come in they know that you're leaving the office of health and human services but it says um have you left any plans or are you telling your incoming colleague um how to deal with the shortage of staff at the hospital well from the information that I have on the shortage of staff in the hospitals, they are relatively close to having, well, they've identified a number of hires. So that shortage of, of staff wouldn't be an issue going forward. So hopefully within the next month or two, we'll be able to help them onboard that staff in terms of getting through the work permit process, um, migrant health, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. so we can deal with that. Because at the end of the day, while there might have been challenges before COVID-19 with, with staffing, mm -hmm. COVID-19 um, kind of blew everything out of the water because there was such a pull for staffing across the world. Yeah. So he who pays the best got the best talent <laughs> right and while i know the the the, the rates at the hospital in on to sneeze at but i'm sure other places were possibly paying more etc so it was one of those things or it's one of those things that i think now that things are kind of regularizing and kind of calming down a bit that they've they are in a position to fill a lot of those vacancies so my last assessment or my last update in regard to that was that they have identified a number of persons they are getting close to um to hiring them because particularly in the nursing um, field which is 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 essentially was, there were tons of vacancies hence why we had the cuban brigade for essentially two years to fill some of those gaps and of course we would have ended that arrangement in july so it's a case where they had to had to mm -hmm. hire these persons because that um, ability to have what could be what was once the asset could easily become a, a crutch for you not to push forward because mm -hmm. you have the the backup so we kind of you know had to yeah. move on and because we need the the regular the regular persons in mm -hmm. this listener minister wants to know What's your experience in taking over such a ministry as PPID? And I know that you've said on previous occasions mm -hmm. that while not a medical doctor, you were mm -hmm. Minister of Health and Human Services, and we think you did a tremendous job, and we want to thank you for that. So what are you taking in to the Ministry of PPID? Well, I think what I'm taking into the Ministry of PPID, and this is not to say that wasn't there before, because I know people could con con you say Try to twist your words. Do you see that minister? Not minister. Um, RTC has already made you minister of planning, infrastructure, and development. Oh, I didn't screen. see that. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm taking into PPID is is leadership, right? Because ministers aren't technocrats, mm -hmm. so I don't need to know the details of the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. What I need to know is policy direction, and what I believe is a result, because. Going in, I just want results. Yeah. That's it. So if we agree at the beginning of the week that these are the results we want to see by the end of the week, we will assess whether those results happen. And then either they've happened and we're happy or they haven't, and then we'll assess why not and see where we can make the adjustments. So that's what I'm bringing in. 
generally speaking. But from a technocratic standpoint, I'm a former director of the civil service in the Department of Disaster Management. Mm -hmm. So I know the ins and outs of what they're going through. And while my background might be generally um, disaster management, geography, and chemistry in high school, even that far, but the basics, the basics still there. I was the um, industrial arts student of the year mm. for CXC. So woodwork and technical drawing mm-hmm. um, is my foundation. So if I didn't go left, which I, I tried the medicine thing, funny enough, I could have gone right and gone into engineering and industrial arts. So in terms of the way my brain works, it kind of aligns with the thinking and the way all of my new departments would be. So that's a state's. That is um, planning, that is housing and Mm -hmm. community development, Mm -hmm. that is public works um, department. So Mm -hmm. I would have a feel just automatically just from broader experience um, what the guys and girls in the the ministry kind of have to deal with because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I believe it's a lot of critical thinking that needs to take place and critical thinking that does take place for us to deliver. So because PPID is essentially the delivery unit for all of the quote-unquote customers, which are the other ministries, um, customer service is another thing that I believe I'm I'm definitely good at as well. (laughs) Minister, you you mentioned um, your artwork and woodwork and um, uh, some of the other subjects you were good at. Uh, For our listeners and viewers, I didn't hear you mention math. And I remember the last uh, math quiz, we had to kind of almost change the questions because you were answering them so quickly. I I, I was one of the, when when maths used to be hard back in the day, (laughs) right? I I got my I got a one in math with distinction in January. So the last six months of high school, I didn't have to go to math class anymore. Mm. So so math, engineering, all that stuff. So all the technical or the 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 STEM subjects, so to speak, science, technology, engineering, math, that kind of up my alley. And essentially, this is a STEM ministry. Mm-hmm. So the STEM. The STEM ministry is getting a STEM minister. <laughs> uh, while we're on the STEM ministry, I'd like to lobby for Radio Turks and Caicos. Because as you're here, you can see that the studio mm-hmm. is cramped. We need a newsroom. We need all sorts of things. So could we ask you to put it on your agenda for one of the priorities to find RTC a really nice home, something that befits our minister of PPID? I see you lobbying in public <laughs> <laughs> for more space. And because... I like nice things and like being nice spaces. Yeah, there you go. I would definitely say that is something we can we can definitely aggressively look at because at the end of the day, we need to have proper environments for us to communicate mm-hmm. with the general public. And when I say us, I don't mean ministers and ministers alone because mm-hmm. it's more than ministers that right. have to utilize mm-hmm. the um, space and equipment and stuff. Now, I can't... I can't uh, guarantee what you can get in terms of the equipment and stuff because you're all laying <laughs> under my ministry. But I will ensure that we get you the appropriate spacing to be able to set up. Because, again, this is the national radio station, yeah. and it must be able to function in the 21st century properly. Yeah. Right? And 
persons have come and gone. We have, we've had the lip service, and we have people who we believe understand what needs to be done, but it has to be the additional push. So if the additional push is, okay, well, whether you're doing chicken and egg, well, I can do the egg and get mm-hmm. you all the location that you all could operate from properly, and then you all could kit it out mm-hmm. um, appropriately. Mm-hmm. That's my, my pledge. I've been making pilot pledges the last couple of days, <laughs> too, boy. <laughs> Uh, the deputy director of RTC just wrote me and says he's definitely going to hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Minister, we know that you have to leave us. Uh, what are your final words as Minister of Health and Human Services to Turks and Caicos? Well, my final words as the Minister of Health and Human Services, and this is my last official interview as the Minister of, of Health and Human Services, hopefully, because, again, I do serve at the pleasure of the uh, Premier, so hopefully he ain't said to be right back in. <laughs> in a couple of minutes right now. But the truth, um, I want to thank the team for making my time with the ministry, um, the A-team, by the way, um, making my time with the ministry a, a learning one, a one of accomplishment and one of progress. Um, I want you guys to receive Honorable Malcolm as well as you receive, you receive me, if not even better because we still have challenges that we need to face and overcome with health, the health delivery systems within our country. And we have to do better for the people. So I want that to happen, and I believe it will happen. I believe Honorable Malcolm will do an excellent job as the new Minister of, of Health and Human Services. I will be there for him anytime he needs any whether help, advice, or just in a, a, a different perspective on what is taking place or what will be taking place. Um, I'm definitely here for, for him. And it's, it's been an a, a interesting ride in terms of having to deal with a pandemic and, and the, the issues you would have faced. So now things are settling down. So it's a good time to shift some gears. And this will be a, a new opportunity for the ministry to head down a down a particular road that we get results and outcomes that we all want to see as Turks and Caicos Islanders. Listeners, viewers, that has been the Minister of Health and Human Services for the next 10 minutes, at least he still holds that title. Um, Honorable Minister, we want to thank you so very much for what you did in that ministry. Um, We're going to wish you well in PPID. We've got your back. Remember, if you need support, if you need help in any way, getting your messages out, we're always here to support you. Thank you very much for all that you do, and we wish you well, sir. We're going to take a break. Um, We're speaking to the Minister of Health and Human Services. He's off to the swearing in of his ministerial colleague. We'll be right back.